if we could give every individual the right amount of nourishment and exercise, not too little and not too much, we would have found the safest way to help, Hippocrates. So something's got me thinking. You don't really find dentists that have bad teeth and you don't find accountants that can't count. So why then do we find that we have healthcare professionals that aren't healthy, in particular doctors? So let me try and illustrate an example. So let's say you are a chronic smoker and you are really struggling to quit. You are constantly getting complications from your smoking to the point where now it's you need to make a change in your life. You go to your doctor and they confirm this. You listen to your doctor because obviously you think that they're knowledgeable, they've gone to medical school, so they should know what they're talking about. As you leave the doctor's practice, you are really craving another cigarette, but no, your doctor's told you that it's not good for you and you should stop. But as soon as you leave, you see the doctor themselves busy smoking. Are you going to trust what the doctor told you, or are you going to do as the doctor did? It's quite interesting because this example that I illustrate, in Canada what happened was doctors took a firm stance on smoking, they became advocates themselves, and they drove a big campaign to kind of to get people to stop smoking, which meant that they themselves also had to reduce smoking. Not everyone is going to stop smoking, but a good amount of them did. And what this did was to dramatically decrease the levels of people smoking in Canada. This, along with other campaigns, were very significant in dropping the numbers of people smoking. So in 1964, 50% of Canadians were busy smoking between the ages of 15 and 64. Most recent reports report that only 16% of Canadians smoke, which is quite significant. But however, today we're not going to be speaking about that. Today we're going to direct you to something a bit easier to do than to quit smoking, and that's to get physically active. Today's episode entitled the fuss about fitness and this is basically our motivation for why we're having the stress test challenge on the 21st of july but we'll have more on that later i'm your host for the day farai chugumadzi and i hope you enjoy the episode today's episode is going to cover a few things namely why it's important for people in general to be active two why it's even more important that doctors are active and we're also just going to be speaking about what benefits people derive from exercise the most important takeaway from this episode is not that we want people to have bulging six-packs and for people to be wearing size zero dresses, but we want people to be physically active in their everyday lives. I've been using the words physical activity and exercise interchangeably, but it's important to note that they're different. Physical activity denotes any bodily movement produced by contraction of skeletal muscles that increases energy expenditure above base level. Exercise is a subset of physical activity that is planned, structured, and leads to repetitive body movements performed to improve or to maintain a component of physical fitness. According to the World Health Organization, physical inactivity is one of 10 leading causes of death in developing countries. This results in about 1.9 million preventable deaths worldwide annually. One in five adults are inactive. These rates are even higher for women, the elderly, and people with a lower income. If we want to bring it closer to home, South Africa has the highest obesity rate in sub-Saharan Africa. Guess how much obesity costs? So severe obesity increases healthcare expenditure by 4,425 rand per person. This is split between inpatient and outpatient care. Previously, diseases of lifestyle were only found in high-income countries. However, recently, there's been an emerging trend of developing countries also getting this. And South Africa is no different. Research by Micklesfield in 2014 reveals that between 43 and 49% of adolescents and adults are physically inactive, 
and this is even higher in the black population. What's more shocking is that healthcare professionals are shown to have similar levels of physical inactivity. Healthcare professionals are expected to be knowledgeable in matters related to healthy lifestyle, and more than that, they're expected to be role models for the community. I found research from the African Journal of Physical Health, Education and Recreation. Research done in 2011 showed that most healthcare workers in South Africa are overweight or obese. This paints quite a gloom picture if you want patients to follow suit. Benefits of physical activity far outweigh the risk. Physical activity has been linked with improving sleep quality, weight maintenance after losing weight, actually helping to lose weight, improving bone density, lowering the risk of chronic conditions such as hypertension, stroke, adverse lipid profiles. It helps to improve cardiorespiratory and muscular fitness. It helps preventing falls in the elderly. It can decrease anxiety and depression, and it can also improve cognitive function. There are a myriad of things that physical activity can help with, and I won't even begin to tip the scale in terms of its far-reaching benefits. Besides the physical aspects of the benefits of physical activity, I think something that is not stressed enough are the psychological benefits, and I think these can help especially in a career such as medicine. So physical activity has been linked with an improvement in mood, it can relieve tension, it helps to deal with depression and with any anxiety, it also helps us to improve our ability to cope with our daily activities. These can all lead to improvement in self-perception, well-being, self-confidence and awareness. I feel that this would help us in about every aspect of our daily lives as healthcare professionals when you're dealing with patients that just can't be satisfied or our never-ending list of things to do. I don't want to paint a picture that exercise is the be-all and end-all to cure like every single disease out there, but I think that it can definitely help and that's what we're focusing on. So we have established two things. One is that healthcare professionals are definitely not as active as they should be. Two is that it also pertains to the general population at large. So why am I speaking to doctors specifically about getting physically active? Several systemic reviews have looked at the efficacy of counseling patients on exercise, although the results only show a small to moderate increase in behavior change, this is still quite significant in itself, and I think it's definitely better than putting patients onto diabetic medication or hypertensive medication at a very early age. An additional five minute talk trumps adherence battles and endless fiddling with medication regimens further down the line. Counseling becomes easier if you are a living embodiment of this positive behavior. You don't have to be an Ironman or Comrades Marathon runner, but if you can relay how physical activity personally benefits you, then patients are a lot more likely to listen. Patients already hold doctors' words in high regard and are more likely to listen to them than the general public. We now get to the business section of this podcast. How exactly can we prescribe physical activity to our patients? So there's not one form of exercise that will suit everybody, but the main goal is 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per week, or you can do 75 minutes of vigorous intensity physical activity per week. But don't forget that even moderate improvements in physical activity will reap huge rewards to your health. You need to tell patients to find activities that they enjoy so that they are able to continue this over a long period. There are different ways to exercise, but if you're not enjoying it, then the likelihood of you continuing is not very good. Things such as walking, running, Cycling, jogging, going to dance classes, these are all options for people to engage in physical activity. Deciding on what physical activity patients and ourselves should engage in depends on our context as well. 
There's no point in telling someone to go to the gym that is super expensive if they cannot afford it. And these type of people, you can tell them to do simple things such as cleaning at home while listening to music so they can add a dance move here and there, walking around the block with friends, or even finding activities to do at local community centers such as ballroom dancing or random fitness classes that are arranged. In a Cochrane database systemic review, looking at home-based versus center-based physical activity, it was found that center-based physical activity reaped better benefits in the short term in terms of peripheral vascular disease prevention. However, in the long term, it was found that patients that were taking part in physical activity that was home-based were more likely to persist with it. So this is something that you also need to consider when talking to your patients. So we don't want to get too technical. I want to give you three basic markers of knowing when your physical activity is enough. Either you're becoming breathless, you're getting fatigued, or you're sweating. We don't want to talk about heart rate or your peak expiratory volume, no. Breathlessness, fatigue, and sweating. This is what your patient should use to know if they're exercising at an adequate rate or not. If someone is starting physical activity for the first time, there's no point in telling them to now run the Comrades Marathon next week. You want to start small and gradually build up with these patients. In this way, they're more likely to persist with this new behavior. Patients should also perceive that they're gaining net benefit from the activity. It should be enjoyable, they should be confident while doing it, and they should feel safe. If any of these are not present, patients are more likely to stop. Involve family, friends, peers, anyone that you think would be able to help with assisting with this new behavior change or physical activity. What's very beneficial is also to enlist a training partner. This helps to make sure that the patient is accountable to someone and that they have someone who's constantly pushing them to improve their health. Our patients are just like us. And this means that we shouldn't be too pushy when trying to make them partake in physical activity. We should assess their readiness to change and how much they know. If they're not ready, then you need to give subtle encouragement and need to provide them with more information on why it's important to partake in physical activity. Lastly, do not selectively counsel patients. Just because a patient is coming in and they don't look morbidly obese, it does not mean that you should not counsel them on physical activity. Everyone is at risk for all these things such as diabetes, hypertension. If we wait until patients are just about to get it or have these chronic conditions, then we're going to end up in the same place as before. I end off with an article by Dr. Cindy Haynes titled Doctor's Fitness. Should doctors set an example for patients? In this article, she quotes research from the American College of Sports Medicine's annual meeting. The research was aimed at measuring whether medical students' attitudes and behaviors about exercise might benefit future patients. 80% of students told researchers that they thought counseling patients on physical activity would be an important part of their future practice. Students who thought this were 70% more likely to be more healthy than those that were not. They were also three times more likely to have normal triglyceride levels. Earlier research found that two-thirds of patients would be more interested in physical activity if their doctors recommended it, and they were more likely to believe advice of a doctor who seems to be active and healthy. Of course, there are plenty of reasons why healthcare professionals might not be able to partake in physical activity on a daily basis, but so does everyone else. So we need to find ways that we can get those 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per week. It will benefit you and your patients. That is all for this week's episode of 15 Minute Medicine. Thank you so much for listening. And would you like and subscribe to our pages on Facebook and Instagram.
In addition to that, as we have mentioned earlier on in this episode, we're having our stress test challenge on the 21st of July at UCT's Faculty of Health Sciences. If you happen to be in the area, grab your team of three and come and join us. It's going to be a great day. We'll have lots of fun. It'll be starting at 10.30. You can look for more details on our Facebook page. We'll have another episode out next week. But for now, we're going to keep making medicine as simple as possible, but not simpler than that. <laughs>